Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to this weekend's worship service. We're glad you tuned in. Uh, we're kind of we're in the middle of this long season of COVID, the the near the end of, of a long series in the Book of Numbers. I get to this point in a in a series sometimes. And I'm like, oh, is this series ever going to end? Just because it gets harder as we move through the Book of Numbers. The, the stuff we're dealing with gets more difficult. I've got good news though. Today, the, the story only is 13 verses, so it won't last as long as last week where we tried to cover 60 verses in one sermon, and so I, that's good news. But the bad news is that this is probably, to me, one of the darkest stories uh, of the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch of the Torah, and, and it involves Moses. It's a real tragedy in the, in the midst of the Pentateuch, in the midst of this Torah, is this story in Numbers chapter 20. And you've got to understand, the people of Israel have, been, have, have left Egypt. God has crossed the Red Sea with them. He brought them to the edge of the Promised Land, Numbers chapter 14. And, and the spies went in, they came out. Two were like, let's go for it. Ten of them were like, let's not go for it. And so God says, well, turn back into the wilderness. And so they head back into this Sinai Peninsula and have been wandering around the peninsula now for 40 years, 38 years, basically 40 years in total they've, since they left Egypt. 38 years in the wilderness. It's been a long haul. And that's where we find ourselves here in Numbers chapter 20. They're near the end of that wilderness wandering. It's been a, a long journey. And, and maybe this is where you find yourself today, is that you're, you're hoping, like I am, like my staff team are, that this season that we've been in over these last couple months is coming to an end. We all hope that. And we all pray that, that, that we can resume meeting together and hugging each other and shaking hands and just having coffee together. We're just looking forward to, to re-engaging with some of the, the physical contact and the physical closeness and being the body of Christ present together in, in one room together or in the parking lot together, whatever that looks like. We're just looking forward to that. Here's the, here the Israelites are, are finally, like they're coming back around every day in the wilderness of those 38 years. People are dying. Every day. There's a funeral every day. Every tribe, every clan is experiencing death as the older generation passes away in judgment, as the new generation raises up and is, is growing and is preparing to, to move into the promised land and, and to experience God's fullness for them. And, and at the front of this is Moses and Aaron leading God's people. They're discovering what it means to be God's people. And Numbers chapter 20, we find them coming back to, to that spot where they were when they, when they you know, live by fear and not by faith, and they're coming back to that place, and, and there they are in chapter 20, verse 1 of Numbers. It says, Then the entire community of Israelite, Israel entered the wilderness of Zin in the first month, and the people stayed in Kadesh. Miriam died and was buried there. And this is kind of a narrative marker. The old generation ha- is moving on. The new generation is rising up. The new opportunity is about to be experienced God is preparing them for the next step, which is to move into the promised land, to experience the fullness of his blessings. And, and Miriam is buried there. This is the last we hear of Miriam in the next, in, in, within this chapter 20. Uh, Aaron, Aaron too will die and, and, be, and, uh, and, and move on. And, and, and so here we find ourselves in verse 2, back to the, the same old situation. And it says, and there was no water for the community. And so they gathered themselves together against Moses and Aaron. The people contended with Moses, saying, If only we had died 
when our brothers died before the Lord? Why have you brought up the Lord's community into this wilderness so that we, we and our cattle should die here? Why have you brought us up from Egypt only to bring us to this dreadful place? It is no place for grain or figs or vines or pomegranates, nor is there any water to drink. They're complaining again. Uh, it's a crisis. It's a physical crisis. There's no water. Now, understand, this is a desolate area. Just a couple of years ago, I, I traveled just a brief part in Israel, and, and we went down to Masada, which is on the, on the bottom end of the Dead Sea, and it's just a barren landscape. It has its own austere beauty, but I can't imagine trying to lead a mass nation through this desolate, barren area. It's known for its just way of sucking the life out of everything. And there they are, and they're like, we have no water. It's a physical crisis. And in that moment, they begin to doubt God's provision, protection, presence with them. If only we had died with our brothers before the Lord. You know, why, why have you brought us up? You know, in, in, into this wilderness so that we can die here. You know, you know, why did you bring us to this dreadful place? Moses didn't bring them to this place. God had brought them to this place. But there they are complaining. Now, it's a different word than the word murmur, which has been used in other places. But it still has a negative connotation. It's almost like they bring this legal case. They're debating. They're, they're bringing their case and their concern before Moses, almost in a, in a formalized way. And they're saying, what is going on? It was a physical crisis. But more than that, it's a spiritual crisis. As you look at their words in this story, and there's a picture you can see of the, of the people complaining before Moses and and, and here and there, and, and they're, they're angry and they're upset. But, but more than that, this younger generation that is prepared, God's preparing to move ahead, need to be reminded of God's faithful care that his provision and his presence and his protection have been with them the whole way. It's not only a physical crisis, it is a spiritual crisis. They needed to know that God's provision was there. For them. There's no water. Verse 2, it says no water. Verse 5, no water. It's an inclusio. It's a, it's a narrative you know, way of, of bringing this complaint in together. Like, this is the, the crisis. No water, but it's, it's physical water, but it's also they need the spiritual nourishment knowing that God is with them. God is providing for them. God is protecting them. It's a physical and a spiritual crisis. Now, when you think about our current situation, we are in here today, 2020. For, for many of us, we, we see the physical realities of the situation that we're in. Uh, health concerns and risks, uh, economic concerns and risks, and, and the, the, the offshoots of, of all the, the different things that are going on in the world. And, and we think about it purely in those terms. But there's also a, a spiritual matter going on. That God brings us through these seasons for a purpose, just like he did in the book of Numbers. That he wants to accomplish something in our lives in this season, to teach us to, to rely and to depend on him, that, that he will provide for us, that his presence is with us, and that he will protect us. We can count on those things. And then this is part of, of, of our situation here. And, 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 and my situation as, as your pastor and as the communicator of God's word, and what, what's incumbent upon me is that, that I would encourage you to find in God, in this season of your life, his protection, his provision, and his presence just as Moses is, 
is going to be called to do here in a moment. But it's not just a physical crisis. It's not just a matter of no physical water. But, of course, even that was wrong. God has taken care of them for, for all these years. But in the moment, as they get down to, the, to near the end of their journey, it's just grating on them. They've come back to the wilderness of Zin. It's a desolate and a barren area. This limestone, it's just kind of blank canvas, and they're, they're just starting to despair. Maybe some of you feel that way. I, I know I've heard those, those frustrations out there. People are just like, I've had enough. I just, I, I, no more social distancing. How come I can't? Go out for supper. I, mean, I know a lot of you are feeling that frustration and that angst that comes with wilderness wandering. I mean, none of us have been in this for 38 years. So you can just imagine the pressure. Every day, manna. Every day, you know, just burying someone. Every day, a funeral is going on. Every day, every day, every day, every day. And then they're finally coming back around to that place they were 38 years before, and, and, and God's ready to, to start something fresh with them. But there they are complaining bringing their concerns before Moses. And once again, we find Moses and Aaron responding in an appropriate way. Verse 6. So Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the entrance of the tent of meeting. They then threw themselves down with their faces to the ground, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. And then I've got a picture here. Uh, we've seen this. This is a consistent pattern. There is a challenge. What do they do? They go to the Lord. And this is the, the challenge for all of us me included. When we face these circumstances and these challenges and these difficulties, these crises in our life, the right and appropriate response is to come before God, to bring it to him, to, you know, and what the people should have done is brought their concerns to God, but instead they bring it to Moses, but, but Moses and Aaron then go to the Lord, and they're, they're down, and there's the glory of the Lord appearing at the tabernacle, and his presence is there, and he's, he's going to respond and provide and show and teach in this circumstance, just like he wants to do for you and me in our present circumstance. The response is to seek God's direction. And then the Lord speaks to him in verse 7. The Lord spoke to Moses, verse 8. Take the staff, assemble the community, you and Aaron, your brother, and then speak to the rock before their eyes. It will pour forth its water, and you will bring water out of the rock for them so that you will give the community and their beasts water to drink very clear what he's supposed to do. Now, I just want to stop for a moment. When they first left Egypt, 38 years ago, 40 years ago, sorry, they crossed the Red Sea, they enter the wilderness, they're thirsty, they cry out to God and complain in that moment, but God commands Moses in Exodus 17 to hit the rock. It's a piece of granite, impermeable, and, and it's a solid stone. Moses comes along and strikes the rock, water pours out from the rock, and the Israelites at that moment are be learning that they can depend on God for their physical needs, and then as they go through the wilderness, for their spiritual needs. In this instance, Numbers chapter 20, which some have confused, and maybe it's the same instance, it's not the same story, it's a different story. They're in a different location. They're in different circumstances. And the command is clearly different. He's telling Moses, yeah, take your, take your staff, but I want you to speak to them. I don't, I don't want any physical action. I want you to speak to it, and then it'll bring forth the water. It's time to move in, and, and th this is a different situation, different scenario, different point in history. We're moving forward, and, and this is my opportunity to teach the people how I'm going to look after them in this situation. And so, in verse 9, Moses obeys. 
So Moses took the staff from before the Lord just as he had commanded him. And that's exactly what God told him to do. But then, but then, in verse 9, he goes off the script. He ignores the teleprompter. He throws out his manuscript. And he begins to, to deviate from what God had told them. And this is where the danger comes in in this story. Then Moses and Aaron gathered the community together in front of the rock, and he said to them, no, mistake number one, he's speaking to the people. God commanded him to speak to the rock. He's speaking to the people. Listen, you rebels, must we bring water out of the rock for you? And then Moses raised his hand, struck the rock twice with his staff, and water came out abundantly, so the community drank, and their beasts drank too. And you're like, okay, well, that's great. Yay, the story's over. It's not over. Somehow, in this two verses, just a short little section in Numbers chapter 20, something went really wrong. Moses goes away from the script. He takes matters into his own hands. If you saw the title slide at the beginning of the sermon, it was, you know, listen carefully, taking matters into your own hands. God clearly laid out what he was supposed to do. Every time in the book of Numbers up to this point, Moses does exactly as the Lord commands. And then here we are, Numbers chapter 20, verse 10. Moses goes off the script. He gets angry and he calls them rebels. And he says, listen, you rebels, must we bring water out of this rock for you? I mean, there's mistake number one. He's claiming that they're going to do it. Now, God told Aaron and, and, and Moses that they were, they were going to be the the instruments to, to make this miracle happen, but it was to be in light of the spoken word. You are to speak to the rock. It's going to be a different miracle than the previous one. You're not going to, you know, no one's going to touch it. It's going to just flow out of the, out of the rock, you know, miraculously, and everyone's going to see that, that you know, that God provides and that, that, that there's something about the word, the spoken word, which, which has power and, and it First, to God's power and his provision and his presence. But in this moment, he reenacts the miracle of Exodus 17. He strikes the rock. There's obviously some anger there. There's some frustration there. There's, and, and he deviates from the, from, the, from, the, from the script for just a moment. He strikes the rock twice, and water flows out. And we think, okay, well, that, that's nice. But then in verse 12, we have this, this judgment from God. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron. Because you did not trust me enough to show me as holy before the Israelites, therefore you will not bring this community into the land that I have given them. Verse 13, these are the waters of Meribah because the Israelites contended with the Lord and his holiness was maintained among them. And in one short verse, we get the summary of, of what went wrong multitudes of pages and articles and books have been written about this story. What was the sin that Moses committed? And, and the text itself is clear about it, but, but in terms of its nuances, people are saying, you know, what, what was the issue here? But it's, it's a sad story because later on, as, as the people get near the edge, of the edge of the promised land in the book of Deuteronomy, and they're just re- Moses is reminding them of all the law and the covenant and the, and the blessings that await them and the curses that await them if they don't follow the, the, law, the law of the Lord and all these things. Moses is about to go in, and God's like, you can't go in. Remember what you did. 
and he gets to go up to the mountain and see the promised land, and he dies up there. And he never enters it. And of course, Numbers 20 is there to, to show the Israelites, well, how come Moses didn't go in? This is why Moses didn't go in. In this moment, God was wanting to teach the new generation of Israelites his sustaining power, his sustaining presence, his sustaining protection, and that was to be accomplished through Moses speaking to the rock in that moment, not striking it. On a side note, the Journal of the Evangelical Theological Society has an article about this particular story. And from a geological standpoint, they bring out a nuance there, which I just will share with you, just for, your, just, just for background information. The geological structures of this particular area where they, where they figured this happened are different than the area in Exodus 17 where they originally struck the rock. That was granite. That was solid, impermeable rock. Here we had this limestone. And in this particular area, the limestone is often porous at the surface. And as you go down, eventually you'll hit kind of a solid layer. So what happens when it rains? The rain goes through the rock and then it hits one of those solid layers and then it begins to run along that layer until it, until it reaches the edge of, of, the, of the wall and then it pours out from the you know, in the middle of, of, the, of the mountain. It just kind of comes out of, the, out of the mountain, right? This, wherever that solid layer is, you know. What happens is, it, is, is as this limestone, you know, carries minerals and deposits, as it pours out of the mountain, sometimes that mineral will, will cake on until it actually stops the flow. And then the water will back up behind that flow. And so there was this potential idea that if you knew and could identify the mineral deposit, you could come along and, and crack that rock and water would come out. If you could see that spot where obviously water had run at one point and caked up and it was back behind it. And so, so the danger in this is that there were other people that could come along and perhaps crack that rock and get a little bit of a flow out of there. And, and, and they would mimic what, what Moses just did. In this case, God wants to show the people that there, this is his provision is, is clearly only from him. That he is to receive all the glory for this miracle and for every miracle that he performs. That, that, that God uses people in, in, in the transmission of his miracles at various points throughout biblical history, but he is the one at the end that receives all the glory. And in this moment of lapse judgment, Moses and Aaron go off the script, act in their own humanity. They take matters into their own hands. He cracks the rock. Water does come out. And I believe miraculously provided. But they have crossed the line. Verse 12, it says, You did not trust me enough to show me as holy or to, to sanctify me. The word trust is faith in the word of the Lord that leads to appropriate action. Faith in the word of the Lord that leads to appropriate action. The trust is to find that he is worthy of reliance. You did not rely on me. And there they are. I mean, all they had to do was say, you know, rock, bring water, you know, bring forth the water of the Lord, and boom, it would have happened. But no, they, they came and they went away from the script, and you rebels, we're going to bring water for you. Crack, crack, water comes out. But God's like, that's not what I told you to do. And like that whole generation that you've been burying for the last 38 years, you too will not get the privilege of experiencing my full blessing of the promised land because you did not trust me enough. And God holds leaders to higher standards. 
I mean, last week I kind of picked on the followers and, you know, one way, God's way, and if, you know, you, you shouldn't usurp God's leaders. But, but here, the, 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 I'm picking on myself. Man, like, God holds me accountable. And on leaders of, of local churches and, and, and boards, and we are, we are held to a higher standard because we're responsible for, for, for leading God's way in, in the church. And we carry this, this mantle of, of, of responsibility. And, and in this case, Moses has crossed the line. He used to demonstrate God's holiness by, by showing obedience. In this moment, he doesn't obey God. He freelances. He takes matters into his own hands. In the crises of our life, in the pressure cooker situations that we find ourselves, as we watch the bank balance go down, as we see our families going out of control, as we watch circumstances in our world around us and, and, and fear or anger or whatever frustration comes up, we are tempted to take matters into our own hands and act in our own wisdom and, 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 act out and, and, you know, and, and, and go back to, to previous experiences we've had and try to, try to manage life on our own basis. And in these moments, God wants us to trust in Him, to rely on Him, to depend on on him, and ultimately to obey him and to show him to be holy. We are tempted to cut corners, to shortcut, to cheat, even in you know, seemingly you know, innocuous ways, but, but it's just a, a, a selfish and, and a human dependency you know, place where, where we're tempted to go to. And, and Numbers 20 just reminds us how God holds us accountable, but, but that we need to listen carefully and not take matters into our own hands but trust God completely in those moments. God has buried, <laughs> has moved on a whole generation. He's got a whole new generation. And in the past, yeah, he was ready to judge. Now he's ready to show mercy and grace. And Moses and Aaron are to be the, the, the instruments of, of the demonstrating God's mercy and grace to these people and to show them that, yes, his provision, his protection, and his presence has been with them all along and will continue to be with them. And, and the way he was going to demonstrate that in this miracle was to speak to the rock. But instead he cracks the rock. In that moment, he demonstrates to them, like, God is angry at you. God thinks you're a bunch of rebels. God's about to beat on you. And God's like, that's not the message I was wanting to communicate in this miracle. God's not angry at us right now, I don't think, in COVID. He's always holding us accountable. But ultimately, God's message that he's given to us is a message of love and grace. It's a message of forgiveness and restoration. It's a message of new life. I mean, that's the essence of what we as a church exist for. Sometimes Christians, we can fall into little judgmental traps and, and critical traps and, and complaining traps, and they're all around us. But really, the message that's been given us is that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so we are ambassadors of that message. And we represent that message in the way in which we live our lives, even in this current circumstance. And we have the opportunity to show the holy, beautiful, altogether different nature of God in the way we are managing our current life circumstances. Moses and Aaron blew it. They chose their way over God's way and would pay a price for it. In chapter 20 and uh, verse 14, uh, sorry, 20, verse 24, 
describes Aaron's death, and he says, Aaron will be gathered to his ancestors, for he will not enter in the land I've given the Israelites, because both of you rebelled against my word at the waters of Meribah. So the, the narrator of, of Numbers uh, writes it clearly that, that the issue is they rebelled against God's word. He'll say that again in Numbers chapter 27 and verse 14, where he says, For in the wilderness of Zin, when the community rebelled against me, you rebelled against my command to show me holy before their eyes over the water, the water of Meribah in Kadesh in the wilderness of Zin. You rebelled against my command to show me as holy before their eyes. And one significant deviation from a path of obedience cost them both. I mean, it, it's a horrible story. Uh, you know, I, you know, it's it's like really, Moses has carried them all of this way, and then he just makes a little mistake at the rock, and boom, he's out. I mean, it, it's it's almost unfathomable. But this is the key. God says, Moses, you are representing me to these people, and if if you don't get it right, no one's getting it right. There are consequences, Moses. Now, thankfully, in the New Testament, uh, in Christ, we have a this message of grace, reconciliation, uh, new life, uh, transformation, an opportunity to, to, to take what, what was you know, wrong and, and make it right and move forward in, in, in just in God's best for us. But as we move forward, when we choose to disobey, there are consequences. And, you know, we, we want you, and, and I want you to realize that, that God, God wants your best. God wants to bless you. God wanted to bring them into the wilderness, and, and 10 of them said, no, we can't go, and they, they polluted the whole nation, and, and now he's coming back, and he's like, look, I want you guys to get this right. I'm here to provide for you. I'm here to protect you. My presence will be with you. And in this moment, God wants to communicate to the nation, not, not only am I going to give you water, but I'm going to sustain you spiritually, and my word will sustain you spiritually, and it still does today. You and I come to God's word, and he's there to meet us, and to feed us, and to sustain us, and to guide us, and to lead us. And we can cling to God and his loving message to us, his guiding message to us, as we find his, his leadership in our lives through his word, and through his Holy Spirit, which ministers as we read and study the word of God. So it serves as an example for us that we wouldn't do the same thing. I mean, God's word was sufficient to look after them in their situation. And it's sufficient for you and me. Uh, it's, it's a horrible story. But the good news of the story is that, you know, we come to Christ. And in 1 Corinthians 10, 4, it says that Paul's writing about, you know, the, the Israelites. And he says, they all drank from the same spiritual drink, for they were all drinking from the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. And it's, it's this typology, and it's, it's sometimes hard to understand, but essentially, God looked after them. That whole wilderness wandering, as they got to the end, they, they, they could forget this fact. And they were like, oh boy, here we are, we're, we're going to die in the wilderness. And, and, and God wanted to just reaffirm to them, no, you're not. I'm with you. I'm, my presence is with you, I'm protecting you, and I'm providing for you. Even at this season of and this stage of our journey in this wilderness of COVID, you, you may begin to question God's leadership, God's provision, 
God's protection. You're wondering, where is God in all the mess that's going on, not just health-wise, but with riots and this and that? I mean, the world has always been in chaos because sin is present in our world. But Christ came to bring us something better, something lasting, something that will sustain us. And God has been with you. God has looked after you. He has provided for you. He's never left you. Even when it feels like he has. I'm just encouraging you today. God is with you. God loves you. God knows the fears. He knows the uncertainty that you face. He knows the the challenges that are around you and that are in our community and in our country and our world. God is fully aware of that. But in Christ, we can rise above that. We can realize that that we have the, the sustaining presence, provision, and protection of God when we have Christ. That He is He is the rock. He is the the nourishment for our lives. And and he is everything that we need. We used to sing that song and, and, you know, the the chorus is, Christ is enough for me. Christ is enough for me. I mean, if we can take anything out of COVID, that would be one thing that I would encourage you to take. It's like, you know, as, as other things kind of fall apart, holiday plans, school plans, you know, travel, this and that, and financial readjustment in your life. I mean, hopefully, as you've come to God's word, as you've regrouped and reevaluated your life, you realize Christ is enough. There are things that I pursued before that, that aren't important, and, and, and you're getting back to Christ, and boy, what a great place to be. God is accomplishing his purpose, and he did that in the wilderness. He's ready to move a new group in, and, and, and this is part of his journey, but Moses and Aaron get, go off cue. They disobey God. They take it into their own hands, and they get in trouble. Don't try to solve this on your own. Bring it back to God. Stay on track with him. Obey his word. Seek his blessings. Bask in his presence. Count on his provision and his protection. God is with you. Moses and Aaron missed out because they let their guard down. In that moment, they didn't follow through, and and God didn't receive the glory that was due his name in that moment because they didn't follow his script. God wants to be glorified in your circumstance and in our circumstances. In our city, he wants to let his name be known, and, and we have the unique opportunity to do that. And we do that as we obey him, as we listen to him, and as we follow him. And so just this, this week, just realize God's, God's provision has been there. God's protection has been there and is there. God's presence has never left us. And he brought the water out of the rock as a gracious provision for those, for those Israelites in that moment. And, and he will provide for us in ways that we don't expect. I mean, they probably expected him to crack the rock, but God wanted to, to show in that moment that, that the spoken word had the power to, to, to provide for them. And his written word today has the power to provide what you and I need. It will give us the wisdom, the direction, the peace, the joy, the eternal focus that we need to get past these circumstances, these transitory circumstances in which we live. And so I encourage you to seek God. You know, the the Lord's Prayer, you know, Jesus says, here's the model prayer. And he he lays it out. It's not, Lord, I need this. Lord, I need that. Lord, you know, pray for so-and-so. It's like, Father in heaven. First of all, let's get our head off ourselves. Holy is your name. Okay, let's get our our focus on God's character. Your kingdom come. 
Your will be done on earth as it is heaven. I mean, we get to the middle of the prayer. I mean, all it is is about God. I mean, that's where he wants us to be. I pray that COVID has helped you to get your, your, your eyes off your own circumstances and, and got back onto God. I hope this journey through numbers has helped you to realize that, that, yeah, there are these dry seasons in life and these seasons of uncertainty and wilderness, but, but we can discover God's presence with us in those seasons, maybe even more so than in the good times. So let's seize this opportunity. Come to the Word. Come to Christ. Come to the rock. Find the sustenance that he wants. He will provide for you. He will protect you, and his presence will never leave you. If you've never come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior, today is the day that you should receive Christ as your Savior. You should surrender your life to Christ. Discover the provision of God for your life. And you can go on, on the website. It shows you how to do that. And, and, we, and this is important, but for all of us, this is a reorientation in the wilderness to, to get back to just what really matters, and that's God, his glory, his holiness, his character, his desire to be in relationship with you and with me. And I pray that God would do that in your life as he does that in my life, in the lives of all of our church family, and in the lives of many in our community that don't know Jesus Christ. We just pray that that reality will be experienced by, by, by everyone. And so as we close, I just invite you to pray with me and, and I'm just going to leave a moment for you just in, in your own heart to, to respond to this message, to this truth, and to God. And then I'm going to close. God, God wants to hear your prayer. He wants to speak to you. And Moses and Aaron, are, we find them lying, you know, prostrate before God in the tabernacle. They're seeking God. They're seeking God. And, and we can seek God. But the, as we seek God, then we need to respond with obedience. You know, revelation response. So, so as we seek God, if God is speaking to you about something in your life, then I encourage you to obey to respond and, and just say, yes, God, I, I will do that. I'm going to call that person. I'm going to stop that habit. I'm going to change that pattern in my life, whatever it is. So I encourage you, just in a moment, just take a moment and, and just bring your concerns to the Lord, bring the matters that he's brought to your mind throughout this message. Father, we thank you for loving us, for giving us your word, for providing for us, for protecting us, for your presence that never leaves us. Where we have failed you, Lord, forgive us. And as we move through this season of wilderness, would you just continue to encourage our hearts in obedience and in faithful followership. Help us to trust you, Lord. And there are some, some of our church family, some of the people watching this video are having a hard time trusting you today. I pray that you would just give them the faith to do so. Stimulate that in their hearts so they can just move out in confident obedience. And our prayer is that your holiness would be made known in our lives and in our community. That people would know that there is a God who cares, who provides, who, 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 who protects, and whose presence is, is always with his people. And so we thank you for that. We give you praise and glory for that. There is one way, and it's your way. And help us to follow that way today, we pray in Jesus' name. If you've received Christ, please contact us. If you want to surrender, we want to know that. And if you need help, please reach out to us. If you need someone to talk to, we've got a community care network that would love to call and pray with you and encourage you. But keep on following God. All right, have a great week. We'll see you next week.